I'm Maureen Atura, and you're listening to the Positive Fantastic Podcast. Mary Sheila, a nutritionist consultant, met with me to discuss the real changes possible when we see food as medicine. She has spent a lifetime acquiring knowledge about how to nourish our bodies with healing foods, and I was happy to visit her at her home to learn firsthand about her expertise. In addition to sharing a most fabulous meal that she prepared to share with me, check out my YouTube channel to see Mary Sheila making our podcasting lunch. We walked through her garden to harvest a bag of lemons from her prolific tree. I preserved many of them for use in my summer pesto-making adventures, and the rest I've been enjoying by squeezing into a glass of water to start my day. We waxed nostalgic about the art of fermentation as a gateway drug to healthy gut microbiomes. We dove into the amazing science of nutrition and the ways that our guts are the home of not just our digestive, but also our immune and endocrine systems. I left Mary Sheila's quoting her for several weeks regarding all kinds of matters of health and nutrition. In particular, I have to say that I've been eating much more mindfully as a result of our short time together. And I'm pausing to savor the flavors and textures and joy of eating at a much slower pace than I have in a very long time. Sometimes life picks us up into the whirlwind of it all and we forget to nurture our own self-care. It happens. We're humans with our full desires to live big, beautiful lives. I do hope that this episode helps to serve as an intellectual reset for you, a kind of mind cleanse, if you will, so that you can reconsider what you put into your body and how you put it into your body. We all just want to be healthy and well. May this podcast episode with Mary Sheila support you doing just that.
My guest today is Mary Sheila. Welcome. Thank you for having me. We've met in a couple different contexts through the Dhyana Center as a point of you teaching really wonderful things in the Ayurvedic yoga teacher training about nutrition. And then again at a gathering recently where we got excited about doing a podcast together. But then we also realized that we had met back in the day when the fermentation festival was happening in Sonoma County. Yeah, because actually I was listening to one of your podcasts with Deanna Denard, uh-huh. and you were talking about your history with fermentation, which I completely relate to. And then I remembered that I met you when it was in Santa Rosa, mm-hmm. and you had a booth there, and we got talking. And so, yeah, that was probably the first, the earliest time, even before I would imagine the yoga teacher training or around that time. Yeah, yeah, totally. nutrition? Well, that's a loaded question. (laughs) But honestly, I feel like earlier on growing up as a teenager, I was kind of into nutrition, but in a distorted teenage dieting way, Mm -hmm. you know, if I'm going to be honest, but I did start getting into cooking a little bit as well. In my big family, sometimes I would cook dinner. But really, it was when I moved from Southern California to Northern California. And I did have a lot of health issues, as often people like me who get into nutrition start there. Mm -hmm. So I moved to Northern California, to Sonoma County, and I was like, wow, this is so beautiful, and started getting into agriculture. Before that, in my teen years, I had a lot of exposure to antibiotics. I was sick a lot. Mm -hmm. I had to get my tonsils out when I was 19, Mm -hmm. and that really left me pretty depleted. I was also experimenting with being a vegan and vegetarianism because I was really committed to environmental justice. You know, in college, I was on the environmental group. I was the leader of it for a little while. I was just really into it. And I saw food as a way in through the environmental world. Then it became a health journey for me. So when I was just finishing college or actually in the middle of college, I met this farmer at the accordion festival in Katati. Oh, fun. (laughs) And he was a farmer and he had a booth there and we got talking. And next thing I knew, I started working on his farm. How fun. It was awesome. And my first job was digging potatoes, harvesting potatoes. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) it's like digging for gold. And it was really exciting. And that just became the journey for me with farming, gardening, harvesting, sharing food, growing food and learning how to grow food. And I just kind of evolved. When I graduated college, I moved on to an organic farm. Mm -hmm. I started really learning how to cook better. It just really evolved. And what I noticed was that I started feeling better. Mm -hmm. I started having more energy. I wasn't getting sick all the time, which I was Mm -hmm. because I now know my microbiome was wiped out. My Mm -hmm. adrenals were toast, you know, like I had a lot of things that were just super depleting. Mm -hmm. And so I started rebuilding with whole foods rather than the standard American diet that I was raised on. And that propelled me to then want to learn more. And that's when I also got into fermentation early on. I learned about it and I was like, okay, I need to know what this is. Like it just made sense to me. 
So I started fermenting and I literally could not eat enough of it. Like I just, my body needed it. Yeah. In fact, at one point with my husband, I remember I was eating it and he's like, you know what, honey, you kind of smell like sauerkraut. <laughs> and that's when I realized. You have become sauerkraut. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought maybe that's too much. Like that's not really sexy to have your husband tell you that. <laughs> Especially because I was always the one opening the jars and I didn't notice the smell as much because I was craving it. And I remember one time somebody else opened the jar and I was like, what is that smell? <laughs> but that was also when I used to put, I used to put whey in my, in my sauerkraut. Uh-huh. Probably a lot of us did because we learned from sauerkraut. Sally Fallon. Yeah. yeah. And we did that and it changes how you ferment things and it sort of quickens it and right. it's different bacteria there. And it does become a little more stinky and maybe not as crisp. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we evolve over time, mm-hmm. just like our krauts do. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I just started you know, I really got into food. I got into wild crafting. I was a basket weaver for many years mm. and I uh, seaweed harvest and herbs and nettles and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, I live in Sonoma County and there's a, a nutrition school and I'd always see them at fairs and things and grab the catalog and dream about it. So I finally went to Boma College and because I thought, gosh, I want to learn everything I can about how this works. How is How has food become my medicine? Mm. And as soon as I did that, you know, I, there was no turning back. <laughs> mm-hmm. I did Bowman College, and then I started learning more about the hormonal system. So I studied with a couple other doctors around adrenal health and insulin resistance. And I studied with Deanna Batdorf at the Deanna Center. Mm. And then I also studied amino acid therapy with Julia Ross, which was amazing. And then I became, I went back to Bowman and I became a teacher for them. And I did that for seven years, which was Amazing. I'm so grateful for that time because, you know, when you teach something, you just have to know what you're talking about. And I have never worked so hard and it's just still kind of paying off for me. And I loved teaching. I still love teaching. I do a lot of teaching, but I love teaching people, you know, in this field to see how are we going to all do this? You know, how are we going to help one another to come back to food? Right. So, yeah. So, I keep learning. I just studied with Dr. Terry Walls. Um, I'm a Wall certified practitioner. I'm studying right now with another doctor, Dale Bredesen, to uh, learn everything I can about the brain and Alzheimer's. Mm. So it's just an evolving journey. I love bringing Ayurveda, and actually, he brings Ayurveda into his training, which I didn't quite realize, um, which I'm so grateful for. So, yeah, it's been a really fun journey of like 15 years. <laughs> Today's PSA is about all of the wonderful offerings that you have. So I have been in business as Occidental Nutrition for almost 15 years now. And I see clients one-on-one who have specific health conditions that they want to understand how they can use food as medicine and make dietary and lifestyle changes to address these and turn them around. And I also lead online courses on Ayurveda and bone health and blood sugar and autoimmune. So I've got a lot of offerings designed to really support people to walk through the changes that they need to make and get the support that they need. And 
one favorite thing that I have too is a vitality community. In my vitality community, I teach different topics each month and I meet with the group for live Q&As. I share recipes and information so that people can really stay connected to their health goals throughout the year. Um, you can also follow me and learn more about what I do and just get to know me on a few of my handles on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and my website. You can find all three of four of those at Occidental Nutrition. And that's where you can, you know, opt in for my breakfast report, which is a really wonderful understanding of what to eat at breakfast and how that connects to our hormones. So there's lots of ways to connect, and I love connecting with people in that way. When a client comes to you and you start working together, what have you learned over the years that really helps you give them an opportunity to get on the right foot with nutrition? Yeah, that's a great question. And I will say that as a nutritionist, for me, I'm continually learning. And what I realized as a big aha moment when I really started to understand our hormonal system and that that hormonal system it's also perfectly aligned with our chakra and emotional system. And we have a, a bunch of glands in the body that release hormones. And hormones, what makes them unique is they travel through our bloodstream. They travel through our bloodstream and they help to keep us in homeostasis. And that's what makes each of us human and what connects us as humans. Our temperature is all around 98.6. Our blood pH is about the same. We respond the same. When we go outside and it's cold, our hormonal system kicks in to keep us warmed up. Even if some people you know, claim themselves to be night owls, our body is really wanting to sleep at night and then get up in the morning with the light. And that's all of our circadian rhythms. And our hormones are this group of glands, this system that works together that I like to call our own personal team of first responders. And these first responders are trying to keep us in that balance of homeostasis. So we can make it really easy for them <laughs> with our habits and the food that we eat and our stress levels and how we move our body and what time we go to sleep and all of those things. Or we can put a lot of stress on that system mm -hmm. and make it work really hard. And eventually, just like we do, get tired and fatigued and depleted and not work as well. So when we start to see like, wow, how can I honor my own personal dream of first responders, then I can find that. And how can I find those rhythms? Like that to me is resilience because we never know what stresses we're going to come up against, right? Life is not a perfect straight line. It's a windy path. And sometimes we have to go back <laughs> to start, right? Totally. And so we, the more we find and have and hold those rhythms, that's when we have more resilience. That's when we can, you know, go play for 20% of the time. Like I, sometimes I say like, oh, you know, one time I taught my blood sugar reset course and I had two days before I was going to New Orleans and I was like, okay, I'm gonna go live in my 20%. <laughs> I'm gonna go eat beignets and stay out late dancing right. and have a lot of fun. But normally, 
I'm in my my place of trying to create ease for my first responders, mm-hmm. for my hormonal system, for my rhythms, and then going and playing in other places. So I think to me, you know, when and then when we want to say, well, how do we do that? Then we have to look at all of the different areas that we are that are affected, you know, how we sleep, how we move, what we eat, how we eat, right? I mean, it's it's not just about oh, I eat really healthy. Why is this happening to me? Hmm. Because I might be eating so healthy, but I'm jumping in my car and I'm driving to work and I'm eating in the car. Hmm. <laughs> you know, that's not doing a great job for my hormonal system. In fact, the digestive tract is so hormonally active because there's so many hormones of digestion. It's actually considered our largest endocrine gland. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's the amazing thing. So our hormone, so if you think about your digestive tract, the middle of your body, and you think of that whole tubing, it's like your plumbing, right? Mm -hmm. It's your plumbing. So what's lining your plumbing is your autonomic nervous system, your, your connected from your brain to your gut with your vagus nerve, you're wandering Mm -hmm. one of your 12 cranial nerves is lining your digestive tract. So you have actually just as much nervous tissue in your gut that you have brain in your brain, right? So you've got this nervous tissue, but that's your rest and digest. So when you're calm and you activate that, that's going to talk to your hormones and get everything flowing. So if you're kind of preoccupied, multitasking, eating the best foods on the planet, you might not be having the right juices and enzymes and digestive, everything you need to break everything down and absorb it and assimilate it. That's totally amazing. Yeah. So that nervous tissue, that's your, that's like your Wi-Fi, and that's your Vata, right? Your air and ether. Mm-hmm. Just like we have our gut instincts, right? Happens when you're like, <gasps> you know, sometimes mm-hmm. or somebody tells you something and you're like, I should do that. And you feel it right in your gut. And then all of a sudden your head gets in it and your head's like, well, that maybe, well, maybe. <laughs> and then you end up like maybe doing that maybe. And then you're like, oh, I knew it. I, oh, the head. <laughs> yeah, I had it. I had that gut instinct. I knew I should do that. So that happens. And then, so we've got that. So that, you know, we want to like prime that, allow that to be calm before we eat. Then we've got our microbiome, right? Which fermentation, we, we love our microbiome. We want to nourish our microbiome because our microbiome like educates our immune system, helps liberate vitamins and minerals in our gut. And we it, want the garden, the garden of yes, flora. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And even our microbiome works better when we are eating mindfully. Like that's also been proven with science and studies and how well we absorb. In fact, there was this Italian study I read a while ago, and this doesn't have everything to do with the microbiome, but they had it was in Italy and they had people like eating and drinking while watching a movie and then eating and drinking while not watching a movie. And the absorption rate was astoundingly different. Mm. It was like almost like a 75% difference. It was amazing. So we have this microbiome that's, you know, liberating our inner soil. We want to protect our inner garden. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then we also have, so that's our pitta, like the microbiome bacterial, it's very active. So that's our fire kind Mm -hmm. of part of our digestion. Our digestion is very fiery. Right. But then we have our immune system. 70% of our immune system lines our gut. So this is like, this area is so... No, that that exact information is something that I think 
people kind of get started on fermentation and it's this gateway drug to really discovering what their microbiome is like and and starting to realize that the choices that they're making about what they put into their body and how they put it into the body, all of it just starts to compound upon itself and people start having really huge healings because they're paying attention to this maybe in a way that they never have before. You know, food is something that from the moment we're born, we're eating, you know, we're yes. nursing often and, and it carries us to the, pretty much to the end, you know, with a few exceptions, you know? Yes. 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 And, you know, coming back to that point of, wow. I mean, I think I kind of said it, but it, when we're more mindful and we're more paying attention to what we're eating and we're also, we're, we're harnessing gratitude because like one of the things I like to think about is how hard we work for our food mm. and, and not just me working for my plate of food, but like how much energy and work has gone into that food. It's the elements, it's the soil, it's the microbes, it's the farmer, it's the animals, it's the trucker, it's the grocer, it's the chef. And then it's me and you like working hard for to earn money to purchase all that. So it it's this amazing feat to have this food in front of our plate. And so if I'm just like, whoa, 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 <laughs> you know, eating it fast, that is it's not honoring that either, you know? Mm -hmm. And I mean, we all do that. I have to remind myself I'm from, I'm one of seven, you know? So I have to remember that I don't need to eat fast anymore. <laughs> if I want seconds, there will be enough. Yeah. Exactly. There's always enough. And I also don't have to eat everything on my plate to get dessert. <laughs> like all the little stories that right. I've grown up with, but I can go, wait, those are old stories. Those are not my stories now. So it is about slowing it down. And because, of, again, like coming in, wow, we have all this nervous tissue and we have this whole microbiome and we have our immune system. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the immune system would be the kapha, the wet. And oftentimes, if I am not eating as mindfully and I'm more stressed, my life is just sort of too much, which that happens to all of us. What happens is I'm going to have more cortisol, which is one of my first responders, right. my hormones. I'm going to have a lot of cortisol trying to like help me out there. And then suddenly I'm going to have my lining of my gut is going to start to thin. I'm going to have a little less mucosal lining. My immune system is going to be a little more exposed and it's going to be like checking out my food a little more with inflammatory molecules because that's what it does. Right. And all of a sudden, I'm going to have more going on there. And over time, that's going to start to degrade the lining of my gut and start to maybe create allergies to foods I've always been able to eat all the time. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly, maybe I have leaky gut, which leaky gut often sets the stage for autoimmunity, which is ramping itself up. So absolutely, it's about what we eat, but it's also about how we eat. And again, when I eat, choose, because it's a choice, when I choose to eat mindfully, I then am slowing everything down, I'm getting my juices going, I'm creating more of that mucosal barrier, I'm honoring that I only have teeth in one place in my body, <laughs> and that's my mouth, so I can create as much surface area in my food um, that I can, so that all those enzymes and juices can actually access 
the vitamins and minerals hidden in the matrix of the plants that I'm eating, or I'm creating as much space for the, uh, you know, amino acids to, for my other juices to get into my proteins and break them down in my stomach. So it's really a choice. And the more that I practice that, just like, you know, building muscles, I'm flexing that mindfulness muscle. I'm tapping into my resilience. And I have to say, you know, I have one of my teachers, Dr. Terry Walls, when I took her class, her approach is very much around the paleo autoimmune with her own tweaks around healing multiple sclerosis, like literally being in a wheelchair and getting up and being able to move and ride her bike and, you know, just live again. That's so wonderful. I know. She was on my summit. It was really amazing. So one of the things that she really taught me because, you know, the, her approach, dietary approach wasn't all brand new to me, but to understand how she taps into and acknowledges the resilience piece and the calm piece. And, and she says, you know, one time she was saying in one of her classes, you know, when I start to get my symptoms to flare up again, she says, I come back and I sit with my family, my wife and I try to figure out like where I, what's stressing me? Am I working too hard? Am I, you know, and it's not just because she is perfect with her diet in a way, because if she eats something, she'll have a flare. So she doesn't just say, well, maybe I'll just have this one little piece of pizza. She doesn't do that. On the books, she's got it all legit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But she's also like, I'm on a, yeah, I'm on a mission to change the world. So she's so passionate, but it's like, yeah, but that doesn't mean you can stay up until one writing your paper, you still have to go to bed at 10 and you just have to get up and do it tomorrow, right? Like we have to set limits for ourselves. And, you know, it's almost as if when we start getting to that point, we have to say, like, this is a great way to think of supporting our first responders is treat your nervous system, which we know is in the gut and totally meshed in and connected to the microbiome and the immune system. So we're kind of talking about the whole thing. Treat it as you would an infant sleep on time, feeding on time, nurture, love, joy, right? And that's like a recipe. And pay attention to elimination. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, to make sure you're pooping and peeing and yeah, exactly. One of the, the silliest, greatest compliments I ever had was I was I was going through a fasting period of my life and doing a lot of cleansing and experimentation with that. And I had a, a colon hydrotherapist tell me that I had great peristaltic action. All right. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the your that's the muscular contractions that happen in your gut to move your food along. And that has a lot to do with the autonomic nervous system. That's something we automatically do. Yeah. And that's great. And for some people, you know, stress, we just hold right there. So we don't have, we, you know, we hold instead of allowing things to just move. And sometimes things like SIBO or dysbiosis, which is like the imbalance of our microbiome can halter. Like there's actually certain microbes that are normal to be in our gut, but they're in the wrong place. They're supposed to live in the large intestine and they they make residence in the small intestine. Mm. And those microbes can sometimes arrest the cells of motility and affect that. Right. Yeah. So 
that's when, you know, somebody wouldn't have great peristalsis. They'll have holding constipation and then everything will flow back out, which, you know, we don't, we just want to have that regular. Not ideal. You want a good, nice poo. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So as we're segueing from pooping, (laughs) Uh, And going back, you know, back up the alimentary canal a bit, when we are starting to eat, uh, what are some of the ways that, you know, bring in that, that healthy digestion? You know, when you were speaking, I really was thinking about how savoring and really enjoying a meal would probably help the digestive process be, you know, a present. So the mindfulness piece really can come in, but also just giving you the most access to kind of on a quantum level, to really take in that nutrition? Yeah, that's a great question. And I have a few things that you can do that can be supportive of really what I would like to call it is just bringing mindfulness into your meal, right? And I also like to call this mindfulness in action, right? Because we're going to choose to do something, or we want something, then there's this little space in between before we actually do it. And that's mindfulness right there. So let's say you made a meal. And even making a meal, we can do more mindfully, right? I love making meals and you know, being like, I love this. I love cooking. I love the people that are going to eat this. I love me. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's so important to do that. And it's yeah. funny because one time I was making a frittata for dinner and I will admit I was completely multitasking. And when it was in the oven, I thought to myself, did I even salt that? (laughs) Right. And so then I serve it to my husband and I'm eating it kind of going meh. And I said to him, do you like this? And he's like, yeah, it's okay. And he's a chef. He's a really good cook. He's taught me a lot. And I said, I totally agree. Can you just give me some feedback? And he's like, well, you just it's just bland and it feels like you need to layer the flavors, which a frittata is a really good opportunity to do that because you cook something first and you can flavor it and then you cook another level. And then, yeah. So I really took that to heart of like layering the flavors, right? So that when you cook, you can really do things in a way that you can bring more out, right? Of Mm -hmm. the flavors and really get that yum factor. And there's a Michael Pollan quote of, the banquet is in the first bite. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the things, you know, when you sit down to eat a meal, first of all, it's always kind of good to acknowledge, like how hungry am I Mm -hmm. right now to really acknowledge? Because ideally we want to be hungry. We don't want to be starving because if we're we're so hungry before we eat, we're likely to overeat, right? Mm -hmm. So that's part of where balancing our blood sugar comes in. It helps us to stay accountable to what we want to do because we're not in this frenzy fight or flight. Mm-hmm. So you sit down to a meal and I love to talk about like bringing all of our senses alive. So look at our food, let it come in because it's going to go right into their brain and digestion really starts in the brain. That's what gets the juices going. That's why when we smell our food, we're like, oh, wow, I really am hungry. Mm-hmm. It gets our juices going. So we, we look at the food, we smell the food, we can even feel the food, we can you know, the warmth of the food or the coldness of the food, whatever it is, but just get all of our senses going. And then when we take that, you know, and and with gratitude, right? Gratitude Mm -hmm. can go a long way as far as also just honoring and being mindful of what we're putting in our body. Even if we're like, oh my gosh, I don't usually eat this, but I'm at this person's house and I know this isn't the best for me, but you know what? 
I'm just going to be grateful and do it, you know, and and hope that it nourishes my body as best as it can. Mm -hmm. So when you take that first bite, like really allow yourself to savor the flavors that are there. Put your fork down between bites because if you're chewing and you're getting another bite, you're, you are multitasking. I mean, Mm -hmm. mind you, it's not like you're scrolling through your phone and whatever, but you're still multitasking. Yeah. Instead, put your fork down, chew your food as well as you can. I mean, I'm not one of those nutritionists that are like, you must chew for 30 bites because I don't know. <laughs> I try to tell people to do things that I do, and that's a little tricky for chew me. Chew your food, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Just chew it as best as you can. Okay? It's a great practice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have had clients say, wow, I'm really focused on my chewing. My jaw gets a little bit like fatigued after a while, which is kind of good. I mean, obviously, you know, you don't want to be in pain, but like you can feel it. You're working those muscles. Mm-hmm. It's like you're getting better at something. And you, when you slow down, when you put your fork down between bites, when you really savor and eat with mindfulness and you slow down, you're also, you know, you're creating more surface area. It's going to make it so much easier for your small intestine and your large intestine. I mean, it's, it sometimes is also the secret to less allergies, less food allergies. You're also breathing, breathing before a meal helps you to get into parasympathetic nervous system. I like to tell people, even if you could do four breaths where you breathe in through your nose and then you exhale through your mouth, like you're blowing through a straw, that's going to slow your breathing down. And that's going to get your exhale longer than your inhale. And that is the way to get into parasympathetic nervous system. Mm. So if you feel like your life is kind of stressful, you can bookend the beginning of a meal with four breaths. You can even do it mid meal. You could do it at the end of the meal. And then you can be like, well, when else can I do that? Maybe before I pick up the phone to start work or whatever you do, or before a Zoom, (laughs) or when I drive to the store, before I get out of my car and go into the market or wherever you're going, take four breaths, like get calm, right? Because maybe you had a more challenging drive. Maybe it was more traffic or whatever, like get into that calm, start Mm -hmm. exercising that parasympathetic so we can get calm. And then when we do eat slower, we have hormones of satiation that will exit our digestive area and plug into our hypothalamus and help us to feel more satisfied and full so that maybe we just even eat less at that meal, which is often a good recipe for success too. You know, sometimes we, when we eat so much at a meal and we just don't feel that good, well, that's not really good for our digestive tract no fun. either. Yeah, yeah. It's no fun. Makes it harder to sleep. If you do it later in the day, you know, there's a lot of things that are that we do not benefit from overeating. Mm-hmm. So even when I talk about 80-20, you know, 80% of the time, maybe sometimes more, we want to really eat for our health. And when it comes to food, we want to eat till we're about 80% full. So there's 20% room for the food to move around the stomach and break down and liquefy because that's what right. the stomach does. In our conversations preparing for the podcast, you mentioned something called vitamin T that I hadn't heard about before. Could you describe what that teaching is about? Yeah, vitamin T. It's a vitamin that I invented, (laughs) (laughs) but it is vitamin time, right? And kind of what we were just talking about a little bit, it's partially comes back to that story that a lot of my clients, or maybe people that I will never work with because they don't think it's possible for them is I just don't have time. Mm. I don't have time to cook. I don't have time to eat well. I don't have time or I'm not a good cook, blah, blah, blah. 
And, you know, when we put that block up, that we might not ever overcome that. But it is about investing time to cook your food. And you can be really creative with this. I mean, you can cook enough protein and or other things to last you a whole week at one time, right? And then it's also creating the time to sit down and eat your food and not be multitasking and, you know, going crazy because that is really, I think that is the setup that we have that we've bought into when it comes to the food industry. I was just talking with a client the other day and they're like, what is up with the snacking? And I said, you know, snacks were kind of an invention of the food industry. And if you think about it, when it kind of came to is, oh, you're getting to the office, you don't have time for breakfast, but you have time when you get there to go get coffee and maybe donuts. And then there's meetings and then there's, you just grab quick snacks. Maybe you grab a bagel, maybe there's a bag of chips, like little things like that, that fill in the spaces and the gaps of meals. Mm -hmm. So we're really not getting a lot of nutrient dense foods and proteins and fats and all that kind of thing that we need when we're eating that way. So time is really allowing yourself to, to enjoy your food and to eat well. And again, to enjoy the hard work that came with every bite that we get. The miraculousness. Exactly, exactly. And I had a client years ago and she was involved in producing events, which is extremely stressful. So maybe for three or four months, and of course to the right before it's even more, but people are working like 15 or 16 hour days. You know, then there's always a letdown after. But she was having a ton of digestive distress. And I said, you know, tell me about your eating and, and you know, well, I don't really have time. And, da, da, da. and I, you know, and I said, well, what if you just took a break from your computer and you went outside and ate and she just kind of barked at me and said, I don't have time for that. I would come back to like 50 emails and da, da, da. And I was like, okay, you know, and I so I know when to back off. Right. <laughs> and so then the next time I saw her and oftentimes, you know, when we hear things that, that we know we need to do and we're so resistant. So the first thing she did, we take note. <laughs> exactly. The first thing she did, she said, I am so sorry that I like yelled at you when you said that. It's like, that's okay. And then she said, and I have been doing that. So she said, I've been taking my lunch outside. I, there's a tree that I sit under mm. and my digestion is like 90% better. Awesome. I know. Just having a tree friend. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Taking, taking the vitamin time. Exactly. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. And you know, she's still got her work done, obviously. Like that's the thing. We still will get our work done, but if we don't give us ourselves that space for things like that, nobody else will. Right. And, and I think that that's a thing that we all as modern humans are juggling is time and our sense of what we have available to us. The thing that often happens is that our immune system starts to shut down or our nervous system shuts down. And then people will pay attention after their system has basically said, them's the breaks, you know? Yeah. But really, if we have the opportunity to preemptively get involved in just whatever we can that brings us into a more loving practice around, we have to be well in order to do our lives. Exactly. That's really the baseline that, you know, you were discussing those various hormonal things that unite us all. Wellness is really the thing that 
we all really want as our baseline in order to live our truest, fullest, most authentic lives. Exactly, exactly. There's a saying that says, you know, you have a thousand dreams when you're well, but when you're sick, you have one and just to get better. Right. You know, and, and that's, that's what I, I love too, like, especially with my vitality community, because it's people that are just like, how can I up level this and feel even better and feel even better, you know, and and I work in a, in a clinic too. And sometimes I think, how can I get everybody to think that vitality is something that they're capable of, you know, and not everybody has that, that idea. And, you know, there are extenuating circumstances, you know, for example, there is, um, you know, if you look at people sometimes when they have trauma in their history or even not too long history, but especially when they're younger and there, there's a, a study that is about, it's called the ACE test or the ACE study and it's adverse childhood experiences. Mm, I just heard about this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's a series of 10 questions. You can find it easily online and see what those questions are. And the more, the higher your score is, the more adverse childhood experiences you've had. And it's questions about different kinds of abuse or neglect, scarcity of food, divorce, death of parents, things like that. Trauma. Trauma. Exactly. And the higher your scores, the more your health outcome as an adult is going to be kind of lowered. Like the more susceptible you are going to be to chronic diseases that are rooted in stress. So that homeostasis that we were talking about before is basically like, you know, turning your car on and having your engine sound really good and running well, right? Or just like being able to go to sleep at night and not feel super stressed. But if you have grown up having to be on high alert and live in fight or flight, it is really challenging for the body to kind of calm down. So you're going to have like extra cortisol, you're going to have sort of depleted hormonal rhythms that might, you know, it's like a domino effect. Mm. So instead of it being homeostasis, we can call that like allostasis, which is, oh, I'm trying to get into homeostasis, but it's, but this is my new normal, Mm. right? So, so stress is such a root cause and it's going to be harder, but it doesn't mean that it's impossible and ever. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing I think that is important. And what I have loved learning, and I will actually credit uh, my teacher, Deanna Bapdorf, who you probably know too. Love Deanna Bapdorf. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So when I was in nutrition school, and I remember learning about diabetes type two, and remember reading something that said, like, you can never reverse it. And I was like, oh, And I just kind of believed it. I was like, oh, that's sad. In a book, it must be true. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and I have to say, I have seen handouts from some of the pharmaceutical companies teaching nutrition that say that same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you can only manage it and giving recommendations that would definitely not let you reverse anything. Right. So then I remember when I was sitting in one of her classes and I don't remember the whole context, but there was a question asked and she said, anything, you can absolutely reverse anything. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> you know? I mean, I was a young student and I just like believed her. Thank God I, I believed her and thank God I was there because then I realized, and then, you know, you hear stories of people and I have, I have a friend in his, one of his best friends got diagnosed with cancer, 
was told, you have two years to live. She sold everything. She traveled the world. And two or three years later, she had to get a job because she ran out of money. <laughs> so right, right. we just don't know. So if we... The story's it, not written yet. The story's not written yet. Yeah. And so if we... Some can, of the story's not... The future's part of it. Exactly. Know? And and oftentimes the diagnosis or the condition is based on what we've always done. Right. The past. It's an accumulation. Yeah. So what if we do something different? Absolutely. Then we start creating a new story inside. We start giving new nutrients. Our cells are like, whoa, I've never had this before. Like, whoa, this is helping. This is... Right. And we can completely transform. I can assimilate this new way. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that is, that is what's possible. Mm -hmm. And that's what's exciting because, you know, being a nutritionist, especially a holistic nutritionist, I don't always know. Well, I'll back up. People come to me when they've seen six doctors and they've done mm -hmm. all these things. And I'm just like, gulp. Okay. I hope I could help you. <laughs> Right. And I know it's complicated. Yeah. And I say, look, we're going to try this. And if this doesn't work, we're going to try this. But, you know, we're going to put our Sherlock and Watson hats on. I'm Sherlock Sheila. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> One of my clients called me that. But, um, you know, we're going to put our, our hats on. In a way, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> You're investigating how can I help you return to wellness? Exactly. Or how can I help you have wellness if it hasn't been part of their process yet. Exactly. And yeah. And then how can we figure this out and get you, you know, and, and it's not always get you back to normal because again, like a health condition doesn't always mean, you know, and sometimes we're like, I just want to be able to do this again. And it's like, well, who knows if you're going to be able to do this again, but maybe we can at least get you feeling better. Like, right. you know, doing this again or doing that again, because there's always the rebalancing, you know, in, in nutrition, we talk a lot about the four R's. Um, it's like remove, we got to remove whatever's causing the distress. We got to replace, make sure our digestive is working, like with the enzymes and the acids, we need to re-inoculate our gut microbiome mm -hmm. and we need to repair everything. And then, you know, I've always had a fifth one that is like, we need to relax. We need to eat mm -hmm. with relaxation, but Another nutritionist, she says, we need to rebalance. We need to say, look, you might not be able to eat the, that standard American diet anymore, like ever again. You may not be able to eat gluten again. Wah, wah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but look at all the things you can eat. You know, right. you know, when people say healthy food is boring, I'm like, I mean, really? You're going to tell me that? Like, I'll duel that out with you because because <laughs> it's not healthy true. food is not boring. You know, yeah. yeah, it's not boring. And in fact, it's funny. I have one woman who's been taking a lot of my classes. Um, over the years and it's we did some stuff in person but the last few years it's been virtual and she took a virtual cooking class so we cooked together with the recipes that I share and she was like oh this is delicious like okay I get this it was like a big aha right because when pe again when people say healthy food is not good or it's boring I just, that's a complete head scratcher for me. Then it's like, you need to get in my kitchen and I'll show you it's not. It's a sad narrative, yeah. like literally sad. The sad, standard American diet narrative is that, you yeah. know, health food is this anomaly that's not to be eaten right. for, you know, fun or pleasure. Right. But it's totally bogus. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Because if, you know, really when we talk about eating healthy, a big part of it is we talk about eating more traditional where the ferments come in mm -hmm. and the 
you know, the spices and the herbs and fresh ingredients, fresh ingredients and cooking methods Mm -hmm. that are like, you know, just, I always, sometimes I have bites and I'm like, oh my God, it's an umami party in my mouth. And it's like, and it's healthy food. It's good. It's whole ingredients, but it's just understanding. And, you know, not everybody feels like they're a great cook. Like I had to learn how to cook and I'm still learning. And it's not like I can make anything under the sun, but I have my specialties. So like if somebody was going to come over to dinner, it would probably be a choice of like maybe three or four different dishes that I'd be like, hmm, which which one of these is going to be perfect? It's not like I'm going to pull out this massive repertoire. I mean, I could do anything, but I might as I stick with what I know. And then every time I make it, I'm like, ooh, I make it a little bit better, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then that keeps it simple. Yeah. Well, food is such a love language too that we really we get to enjoy it. I think that that's you know reframing reframing the thing of restriction to joy you know yes let's let's find something that your body feels really excited about eating from a place of nourishment yes even just that little pivot really you know when I sometimes I start craving greens and I'm just like so all about greens and that's like all I want for a while is just like to have green power yes (laughs) and I think that you know giving our bodies the opportunity to have really whatever healthy nourishment they can have is the kindest thing we can do for ourselves. Yes. Yes. And that I believe really is when food becomes our medicine. Mm -hmm. When food becomes our medicine, when we are savoring the, the nourishment and the bites, and we've, we've taken the time vitamin T to properly prepare our food. We've taken the time to sit down and maybe we're even lovingly having that nourishment with somebody else or even just with ourselves. And maybe that means we're sitting down to a set table, even if it's just like me in my home by myself. And maybe I light a candle. Maybe I have a special rock on the table to remind me, oh yeah, I'm going to breathe before this meal. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, I, you know, if I People tell me, I forget to breathe before a meal, but if I remember it midway, I just put my fork down. I'm like, yay. <laughs> you know, we, mm-hmm. we start kind of winning in those ways. And that's when food is not only delicious, but it's medicine. Because look, what else are we putting in our body so much? Nothing. Water and food and air. And air, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and air is our first food. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Our first food is our breath. So like, again, if we bring that breath in and allow that breath to like be deep and massage our digestive tract and get it primed for our medicine, right? And then our medicine is delicious. And we think about like, oh, you know, and so as soon as we start knowing that food is our medicine, then every bite is really sacred in a way. And then we can start having, you know, I always call them like the little inner dialogue, right? you know, I mentioned before, I'm from a big family where sometimes I'll be sitting and eating and I say, Mary Sheila, you don't have to eat everything on your plate. Like you can save it for later. Right. And I, or, or if I'm at a dinner party and they're serving dessert and I realize that I'm, I would probably not feel good if I ate that dessert. Mm-hmm. So then I have an Ill, inner dialogue and I say, gosh, you feel great now. You're probably not going to sleep good if you eat that sugar right now. And then you're going to have a, not a great day tomorrow and it's your day off. What are you going to choose? Right. And then I can sometimes say, and then I can even tell myself I can have it tomorrow <laughs> or I can have sugar tomorrow if I want. Mm-hmm. And then it's easy for me to say, wow, I feel I'm no, thank you. I'm just too full. 
I don't think I'd feel that good after, but it looks delicious, you know, and then I'm, I'm visually fed by it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I go to bed that night and I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't eat that dessert. I wake up the next morning and I'm like feeling good. So glad I didn't eat that dessert. Right. And then it's a win. And my, my neurons are knowing that that's a good choice for me. And I can remember that the next time. Thank you so much, Mary Sheila, for being on the show today. I feel really nourished by this talk that we've shared, and I'm excited for people to be able to integrate all that beautiful information that you've brought forward. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun to have this conversation. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Positive Fantastic Podcast. I'm Maureen Natura, and you can reach me by checking out my website, www.maureennatura.com. You can read about upcoming author events or sign up for my email list to stay up to date with the content that I create. If you go to maureennatura.com slash thepositivefantastic, you can link directly to any of the podcast episodes that have already been published and see short summaries describing each episode. I'm on social media, and you can follow me on Facebook on my page, Maureen Natura Author, and you can follow me on Instagram at author Natura. Check out my channel at youtube.com slash to see a video of Mary Sheila preparing lunch for our podcasting day. You can find out more about Mary Sheila's nutritional offerings by visiting her website, www.occidentalnutrition.com. You can follow her handle at Occidental Nutrition on Facebook and Instagram. She has a regular breakfast report, and you can also join her Vitality Club. Special appreciation to Copper Woman for her song, Bless This Food, at the beginning of this episode. For more about Copper's music, visit www.copperwoman.com. This episode of The Positive Fantastic has been brought to you on the new moon, and I hope you'll join us on the next full moon for an interview with author Jenny Dalton about dismantling the oppressive system of bullying in adolescence. Cheers, and may your journey be fantastic. <laughs>